Welcome back to The Leader in the Clubhouse. I'm your host, Jackson Sven. As always, thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. We have a ton to talk about today from the Memorial and the U.S. Women's Open to Jack Nicholas's somewhat controversial comments about caddies and even Tiger Woods. But we'll get into all that, and before we do that, I want to remind you about our latest deal with our friends over at GlobalGolf.com. This is definitely the best deal they've given to our listeners thus far. So for the entire month of June, you can save an additional 9% on used golf clubs. They have an already huge selection of great deals going on, but when you use our promo code LCClubhouse9 at checkout, you'll save even more. So head on over to GlobalGolf.com. Upgrade your old gear and say hello to a goodbye. That's promo code LCClubhouse9 to save an additional 9% on your next purchase of used golf clubs at globalgolf.com. I got a really cool Adams Golf red hybrid to put in my bag. It's been a game changer. Love that thing. So check them out. Great selection, huge selection of golf clubs, and really great deals. And this is an additional 9% that you can stack with the other coupon codes. So LC Clubhouse 9, Global Golf is a great sponsor. They help keep the show running. So go check them out. Thanks for doing that. Now for this week's golf headlines from around the globe. The women's best golfers gathered in Alabama at Shoal Creek Golf and Country Club to play the 2018 U.S. Women's Open. Arya Jutanagarn had a monstrous lead going into the back nine, and I actually even went out with my kids to go get ice cream, thinking that the tournament was essentially over, but boy, was I wrong. Uh, When I got back, I got a text from friend of the show, Josh Carpenter from the Sports Business Daily. He texted me, couldn't believe that Jutanagarn, excuse me, that Jutanagarn had given up that seven-shot lead. She had a seven-shot lead with nine holes to go, and the tournament actually went into a playoff. She had a playoff with H.J. Kim. Um, So now, you know, the USGA has recently adjusted their playoff rules for the men's and women's U.S. Open to be a two-hole aggregate playoff. But the match ended up going into a sudden death when the two were still tied up after those two holes. Uh, Aria did eventually end up winning the tournament on the fourth playoff hole, so that was quite the relief, I'm sure, for her. To give up a seven-shot lead with nine holes to go in a in a major would just be a devastating thing to do. I'm I'm sure she was relieved. But uh, Jutanangarn becomes the first Thai professional golfer, uh, either man or woman, to win a major championship in golf. So that's a big deal right there. And if you're not a huge follower of women's golf, you may still recognize Arya because she was the caddy for show favorite Kiradek Afi Barnrat at this year's Masters Par 3 tournament. The two actually grew up playing in the same junior golf programs around each other in Thailand, and apparently Arya had been bugging Kira Deck for a while to let her caddy if he was able to qualify for the Masters. And when he did, uh, she kept continuously bugging Kira Deck, apparently, until he eventually agreed that she could be his caddy for the Par 3 tournament. So that was pretty fun. You might remember that. Um, hopefully, that will inspire Kira Deck to win a major himself, to become the first Thai man to win a golf major. We'll see. On the PGA Tour, Bryson DeChambeau won the Memorial Tournament, also in a playoff against Kyle Stanley and Byung-Hung An. Uh, This is DeChambeau's second professional win on the PGA Tour. He has a Web.com Tour win. 
Uh, he won the 2017 John Deere Classic last year, and this move at uh, Muirfield actually moves DeChambeau from 22nd on the FedEx Cup standings to 4th, so a huge win right there. Other notable finishes at Muirfield Village this week include 19-year-old Chilean Joaquin Neiman, who was the former world number one amateur before turning professional. Um, we've talked quite a bit about him, and that was our DFS analyst John Sousa's low AM pick for the Masters this year. He has obviously turned professional since then, and he was he was playing some great golf. He had the lead a few times. He he hasn't done a lot on the professional stage yet, but he definitely made a splash this week in Dublin, Ohio. He had the the lead a couple points this weekend, and it looked like he was going to to finish strong. But he had a tough Sunday and and finished out of the eventual playoff. He could have really could have easily gotten in there had he just um, put something together on Sunday. We had some former world number ones and current world number ones uh, also get some top 10 finishes. Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, and Dustin Johnson all finished T8th. Of course, uh, a few weeks ago, Justin Thomas overtook the world golf number one spot from Dustin Johnson. So good finishes there for those guys. Uh, several show favorites, including Tom Hoagie of Statesville right up the road, uh, the aforementioned Kyrdek Afi Barnrat, my must-have and Viking brother from Sweden, Henrik Stinson, and of course, one of our favorite golfers, Hideki Matsuyama, all finished T13th at the Memorial. But, of course, the man that most people were tuning in for this week, Tiger Woods, he ended up finishing tied for 23rd, and some people seemed a little bit disappointed after the finish, and Tiger even had a, sh- a piece of the lead for a short while on Saturday, which was pretty exciting for Tiger fans. But had a disappointing finish on Saturday with bogeys on 16 and 18 that uh, almost essentially took him out of the golf tournament. I wouldn't say that he was completely out of it, but he would have had to. I'd have to go back and look, but he started Sunday at 9 under, so means he would have shot 6 under to get into a playoff. Not completely impossible, but he ended up shooting an even par 72 on Sunday to fall out of contention. Of course, Tiger will be back in a couple weeks at the U.S. Open in Shinnecock. So we will all be waiting eagerly to see how he'll do in this year's second major. Now, it's definitely worth mentioning this week's Web.com Tour Tournament because it was held just down the road in Raleigh, North Carolina at TPC Wakefield. Of course, again, our DFS analyst, to mention him again, uh, John Sousa, is from the area. So big shout out to him. Not sure if he got to go to that. We'll ask him in the second part of the show. Um, My wife is from Raleigh. I have several family members in Raleigh. Um, So definitely have a, a... a warm place in my heart for Raleigh. Wish I could have gone to this tournament, but Joey Garber is this year's Rex Hospital Open champion, and this is the first Web.com Tour win for the former Georgia Bulldog. Of course, since summer is upon us, we wrapped up college golf with the NCAA championships. In the men's Division I final, Oklahoma swept Alabama to claim the school's 11th men's golf title. Wow, that's incredible. Of course, we know Ricky Fowler is an alum of Oklahoma State, and he was doing a documentary recently about the the golf team, so he picked a really good year to document these guys as they they ended up just destroying Alabama in the finals. They, They won every match, so that was a... That was a fun one to watch if you're an Oklahoma State Cowboys fan. 
in women's golf and division one golf, we had a, a bit of a tighter match. Arizona defeated Alabama, also defeated Alabama. Alabama plays second fiddle twice this year, but this was a much tighter match as the two teams both had won two of their matches with the last match on the line. Alabama's La Career Beer, Abe, hope I didn't screw that one up too bad, birdied her 18th hole of the match to send it into a playoff against Haley Moore from Arizona. Everything was riding on this one match, on this sudden death playoff, and Moore was able to seal the deal for the Wildcats and gave her team the national title. On the European tour, Thorbjorn, the Thunderbear Olsen from Denmark, was able to hold off Francesco Molinari on his home turf to win the Italian Open. Now, you might remember Molinari just won the previous week on the European tour, holding off Rory McIlroy to win the BMW Championship. So it looks like things are getting pretty interesting for Team Europe as the Ryder Cup approaches later this fall in France. Now, before we roll into this week's St. Jude Classic, there were a couple things I wanted to touch on regarding some controversial statements going around the golf world. And the first is from Jack Nicholas. Nicholas was, of course, the host of this week's event. He's the designer of the golf course. He spent a good amount of time in the announcer's booth. And I want to say I generally agree with everything Jack says. And I'll say the majority of the time, the vast majority of the time, I agree with what Jack says. He's questionably the greatest golfer of all time. Some people don't even question it. He's just the greatest golfer of all time for them. He's the Golden Bear, 18-time major winner, 73-time PGA Tour winner, and it's just an amazing man. He does so much for the game. He means so much to the golfers out there. You could see it uh, when when they're all playing out there. They want to play for Jack. They want to shake his hand on 18 uh, at Muirfield and, and get that win. Um, but he made some what I would say pretty disparaging comments about caddies. Some might say they're, they're not that big of a deal, but he made some comments about caddies and their place in a golf tournament. And he said that the three most important things for his caddy to do while he was playing was to show up, keep up and shut up. He said that, you know, basically he didn't really think that caddies made that big of an influence on the golf tournament and in an individual's performance. Uh, He even made the comment that when he found his caddy, the guy was just a Vegas uh, taxi cab driver. So while that might be true for Jack Nicklaus, who is the greatest golfer of all time for some, I personally don't completely agree with that. And I think a lot of people don't agree with that. I obviously have never played in a tournament where I used a caddy or needed a caddy or was allowed to have a caddy. Um, might be doing that later this fall, but I can get to that later. I can't really speak from experience directly, but I will say that I think he missed the mark on this one. Um, from what I can tell, caddies are not only good to have, but um, are very important in decision-making when when a golfer's decision-making might be clouded for whatever reason. They are integral in the psychological aspect of the game. They're just crucial to keep a golfer level-headed. So I would I would love to hear what our listeners have to say about this one. Do you think that that Jack was right? Do you think that caddies are pretty unimportant? I think when we look at people like Jordan Spieth and Michael Greller, the first ones that come to mind, or Phil Mickelson and his years with Bones, and Tiger Woods now with Joey LaCava, I mean, we know these guys' names because they are important. They're not just someone standing there carrying the clubs, wiping the balls. They are crucial. They 
They help keep a golfer level-headed at the right times. They help them make decisions. And of course, we see some situations where where caddies and golfers get into arguments. We saw that with Kevin Na a couple weeks ago. Um, and the caddy was actually right in that decision, even though he ended up looking like he had egg on his head. But I think that Jack is wrong here. And he also made some comments about Tiger Woods in a press conference that I don't agree with either. And it's it's weird that I don't know if if um, Jack's getting older in his age and getting a little more grumpier, but the caddy comments I didn't agree with. And he also went on to say uh, at a different point that Tiger Woods is going to have to learn how to win again. And I just don't think that's true. I think Tiger, <laughs> he'll never forget how to win. Tiger is in my personal opinion, the greatest golfer of all time. Of course, I didn't grow up watching Jack Nicklaus. I grew up watching Tiger Woods, and his performances were so dominant. And I think his recent performances show that Tiger Woods, yeah, he's not winning golf tournaments. He's getting in contention and falling off a little bit. Uh, It's hard to say what's causing that, but I don't think it's the fact that he needs to learn how to win again. I think it's just some minor tweaks here and there. I think he needs to get all his ducks in a row when it comes to he might drive really well this week but he struggled on his putting so I think it's just a matter of getting those things in sync I don't think it's a matter of a psychological problem where he's going to have to learn how to win all over again again this is another area that I'd love to hear our listeners uh, give us some feedback on so hit us up on Twitter hit us up on Facebook you can find us at Twitter and Instagram at Clubhouse Cast Find us at Facebook by searching Leader in the Clubhouse Podcast. Would love to know your opinion on these subjects. Of course, I'm not the authority on all this. I could be completely wrong, but I think this is one of the first times where I have to say that I just disagree with what Mr. Nicholas has to say. With all due respect, I disagree. I don't I don't think that caddies are unimportant. I don't think Tiger Woods has to learn how to win all over again, but I'd love to know what you think. So check us out. Send us a tweet or a DM. Would love to hear your opinion. One more thing before we move on to this week's St. Jude Classic. Another controversial topic that was kind of going around golf Twitter, and this is relating to the NCAA tournaments, was the idea of using push and pull carts when you play golf. And specifically when it comes to college golf. Now, I did not play college golf, so I, I didn't have a chance to push or pull a cart, but and I don't use one now. I don't use a push or pull car now. Wouldn't mind having one, but I just, I don't have it. Most of the time I go out and we're playing with friends. We use a golf cart. Uh, I love to walk. And when I do, I carry my golf bag. And a lot of the time I'll limit it to 10 to 12 golf clubs. I won't carry a full bag. I'll carry four or five balls, a bottle of water. Not a lot. I'll travel light, but, uh, I have used push carts and I think they're great. I, there are some articles you can find out there from, uh, I think I read it, it was the Titleist TPI, Titleist Performance Institute, that that shows that using a push or pull cart is actually much healthier on your back and on your shoulders. Uh, you're, not, you're not putting extra strain on your back, and, and that's something that can be damaging to young golfers. So... I think uh, I think these guys. I don't. I don't want to mention the golfers even that were complaining about this because I think it's weird. I don't. I don't see the point in complaining about it. I think it's just they're mad because they didn't have to use or they weren't able to use a push or pull cart in college golf, and now they just feel like saying something about it. These are guys that that don't get a lot of headlines for great play, so I'm not going to give them the attention now. 
Just know that there are professional golfers out there that are trying to, um, I guess, make fun of these golfers that are using push and pull carts during the NCAA tournaments. I think they're wrong. I think it's great if you're using a push or pull cart. I think that they're ignoring the idea that there are a ton of golfers outside of the competitive golf world that use these carts and you know, it might be discouraging for them to hear some of their idols talking about how it's not cool to use a push or pull cart. So I think they missed the point. I personally think it's great to see uh, junior golfers, college golfers, adult golfers, and senior golfers using push and pull carts. Anything that can get you walking. Because when I have the most fun playing golf, and honestly, when I'm playing my best is when I'm walking. It it gets you more into the round. You get a feel for the golf course. It lets it allows you to think about your next shot when you're going from point A to point B instead of riding in the golf cart and zipping to your next shot. I think whatever gets people walking, get exercise, enjoy the game, enjoy the course, enjoy the outdoors, the way that golf was meant to be played, I think is a positive. So again, would love to hear your opinion. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up on Facebook. Let us know your thoughts. Are you using a push or pull cart? Um, do you prefer to walk and carry your bag? And why? Let us know. Hit us up. Love to hear from you. Now let's take a quick break. And when we return, we will preview this week's St. Jude Classic. But before we do that, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Lock Laces. When I play golf, I really prefer to walk the course, so obviously keeping my feet comfortable is very important, but I was constantly getting blisters or just really worn out before 18 holes were done. So a friend of mine told me about this one small device that ended up making a world of difference for my golf game, and that was Lock Laces. So Lock Laces are a no-tie elastic shoelace, and what you do is you replace your old traditional cotton shoelaces that usually end up breaking mid-round from constantly trying to over-tighten them and you put on a pair of lock laces. It's easy to do, and once they're on, you never have to worry about your feet slipping, you don't have to worry about over-tightening, you get the perfect fit, the way your shoes were meant to feel, just kind of hugging your foot. So luckily for our listeners, they're offering 30% off purchases at locklaces.com when you use the promo code CLUBHOUSE. You can buy one, or they have value packs of three or five. You can choose from a variety of colors. They're really great for little kids. They're great also for seniors who would otherwise have issues getting their shoes on and off. And of course, they're great for any athlete. They're really great for anyone. I use them on my tennis shoes now. I don't just use them for my golf shoes. So head on over to locklaces.com. Use the promo code CLUBHOUSE. When you use the promo code CLUBHOUSE, not only will you save 30% on your purchase, but you'll also be letting them know where you heard about them from. You heard about them from our show, and you'll be supporting our show. So it's a win-win. You can support the show, save some dough, and give your feet the best possible fit you can experience. That's locklaces.com and promo code CLUBHOUSE. And welcome back to the Leader in the Clubhouse. Now we're going to take some time to preview this week's PGA Tour event, the FedEx St. Jude Classic. But before I do that, let's go ahead and bring on our co-hosts, John Sousa and Matt Coffey. How's it going, guys? What's up, Swan? Hey, guys. How are you? Doing quite well. Y'all were supposed to be playing in a golf tournament last Friday, so tell me what happened there. I'll, I'll, I dropped the ball here. This is uh, This is totally my fault, so... Um, have a, had a little living situation come up here in the uh, the fine city of Raleigh. Um, my rent is actually uh, expiring here in the next week, and in true John Sousa fashion, I waited way too late to find an apartment. Um, so I had to spend the day uh, apartment hunting, uh, which actually 
I guess not all of this was my fault because Cup kind of dropped the ball a little bit in forming our uh, for, forming our team, which I'll let him speak about. But um, I spent the day on Friday where we were supposed to be playing golf, looking for an apartment, but I found a place to live. It's all good and everything. But um, I'll let Cup tell everybody how he completely dropped the ball in assembling our team for this tournament that we were supposed to play in. Well, I guess first I'll start by saying that I'm kind of surprised that Mama and Papa Suso charge you rent to live there. Um, I hate you guys. <laughs> secondly, uh, yeah, uh, we had a team, and then uh, one of the guys was like, "Oh wait, no, I can't, I can't play." So then we didn't have a team. Um, so that's how that went. It was very easy. Well, enough grumbling about our games. Uh, we have a little golf tournament coming up, and we're in an interesting situation now with with the FedEx St. Jude Classic. Um, it's being played at TPC Southwind. We talked a little bit about this last week and, and about the tournament. And um, the funny thing is we have a two-time defending champion coming into this, Daniel Berger. He will look to get a three-peat. I don't know the last time that happened. i um, trying to think of it off the top of my head. Brandon Steele do that? It's probably Tiger. A Tiger? It's probably, oh, the, yeah. No, no, no. I think Brandon Steele won the, uh, God, what's the swing season event in California? Yeah. Um, it's the yeah, Safeway Open, early, I yeah. think. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but I think he's a three-time okay. champion there. Um, so that'll be interesting. I don't know how many people are are going to be riding that hot guy, but um, we'll see what happens when we when we pick our uh, must-haves and maybe even dark horses. I, I think he could. Mm, no, nah, I don't think he could potentially fall into the dark horse category. Once you've won a tournament two times, I don't think it's possible to be considered a dark horse in that event. But we'll see you never know we do some fun things so uh before we pick our must-have and dark horses john can you give us a little um little breakdown of what to expect from a fantasy standpoint heading into this week's pga tour event sure so um the saint jude classic has been played at the same course uh since 1989 um we're at tpc Southwinds or Southwind, excuse me in memphis tennessee uh, the course measured right above 7200 yards at 7244 to be exact um, it's a par 70, so we're losing, uh, you know, a couple strokes to par there. Um, but it's 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 an interesting course. Um, driving and overall driving hasn't really played a factor here. It's more of an approach and ball striking course, if you will. Um, so we'll typically see these guys that are, are gaining a lot of strokes with their approach games rise to the top of the leaderboard. Um, putting is also something that's going to be important this week. Um, traditionally over the long haul, we've seen guys that are, uh, you know, traditionally really good putters, uh, rise to the top here at St. Jude as well. Um, the greens are a little bit smaller and a little bit tighter here. So guys that, um, you know, like I mentioned, are getting strokes and approach, um, that are hitting greens and regulation are going to be at a premium this week. But also keep in mind uh, when you're filling out your rosters, those guys that can scramble well and get up and down if they do miss these smaller greens. Um, so, yeah, just try to keep it really high level or really macro perspective this week with guys that are gaining strokes through ball striking and approach um, and are good short game players as well when we're uh, filling out our lineups for the St. Jude. So that being said, Cup, why don't you lead it off and give us your must-have and dark horse for this week's event? Yeah, man, super, super easy this week, I think. Uh, DJ is the the overall Vegas favorite, FanDuel favorite at 12-9. I'm taking them as my must-have. I think it's just time for him to get the number one back. Um, Losing it to, to Thomas wasn't cool. Um, so I think he's, he's going to put, he's going to put together a good one so he could go back to back at the U S open. Um, so 
I mean, will a win put him in the back in number one spot? I, I think it's. I, I think it would depend on how Thomas. Wait, uh, no, I don't think so. But I don't um, think it will. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. But if he wins, he's uh, uh, almost a surefire, you know, top five at the U.S. Open. So I think he's gonna he's gonna go in here and crush like he like he always says. Uh, as my dark horse, I am taking probably my number two favorite golfer now. You know, I have one A and one B. And then I have number two, which is Taylor Gooch, T-A-L-O-R, for you guys keeping notes at home. Um, met this we, – we, I would say, John, I would say we kind of met this guy. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're we're yeah, on a first-name so, basis now. With I mean, this, is, this dude is just a stud any way you look at it. Rockin' Nike Air Max um, like he doesn't even care. And he's at 7,500 this week. So I think that kind of puts him in dark horse category. He is only 10 out of 18 cuts made, which I really like um, cuts made as one of my biggest dark horse picks. So I'm not really feeling it this week, but I said I would take Taylor Gooch as many times as I can. And here's an opportunity to take him. So I will take Taylor Gooch um, as my dark horse. So try to try to beat that, John. All right. Um, so I am looking things over right now. And uh, I think that one of the guys that I'm really going to be targeting from the top end is my must have is Adam Scott. Um, right away, though, I'll address the elephant in the room and that this man just clearly cannot putt. Um, over his last 50 rounds, he ranks 141st in this field in strokes gain putting, which is absolutely atrocious. But what he lacks in the putting department, he definitely makes up in his approach gain. He ranks sixth in this field in strokes gain approach over his last 50 rounds and then third in strokes gain ball striking. Um, so if he can just like remember how to putt for four rounds, maybe, um, I, I think that Adam Scott definitely has the game to to play well here. And then my dark horse is actually someone that has some history at this course. And I don't know if you guys will remember this, um, but my dark horse is Robert Garrigus, and he's $7,700 on FanDuel this week. Um, but really quickly from a stats perspective, uh, grades out really well. He's 11th in this field in strokes gained ball striking, uh, fifth in strokes gained approach, um, lacks a little bit in the short game and putting department where he's 131st in strokes game with a short game and then 143rd with strokes game putting. So, uh, you know, taking guys that might not be the best putters or short game guys in the world, but their approach game and ball striking definitely check out. Um, but what I was referring to with Garrigus is, I don't know if you guys remember this, but back in 2010, um, Robert Garrigus actually had a three-stroke lead going into 18 on the the fi- or in his final round at the St. Jude, and I think he had an eight or a nine on 18 to lose the tournament. And it was the most shocking thing ever to just watch a golfer, a professional golfer, just explode like this. So you know, think about that sitting on a tee with a comfortable three-shot lead. And then, um, you know, ending up, actually, it went to a playoff. So it was Robert Garrigus, Lee Westwood, and Robert Carlson, who I don't even know who that is. But but at any rate, um, Robert Garrigus has some history at this course. So maybe he does have some um, some demons to exercise, if you will, here. So uh, I think that his game definitely, uh, definitely sets up pretty well here for this course. So um, definitely... Uh, Definitely like Robert Garrigus at 7,700 this week. And then Adam Scott um, from the top end is my must-have at 11,400. I will go ahead and give my must-have for the week. Um, and you actually have to scroll down a little bit 
to find this guy. He's not at the top of the leaderboard, but my must-have, big surprise here, I've picked him several times before, is Kyrdek, Effie Barnrat. Uh, coming off a T13th at the, the Memorial, so not a bad finish there. A week before that, he was T5 at the BMW Championship. I think he's he's peaking right now, and he's playing great golf, so Kyrdek, I'm locking that one in as my must-have. And another uh, random pick for my dark horse, I'm going with the postman, JT Poston. Uh, did not play at the Memorial, but like we talked about uh, last week, he had a uh, tied for 20th at the Fort Worth Invitational. The week before that, um, tied for 26th at the AT&T. Um, you know, he should have done better at the Fort Worth. He was actually in contention to win that tournament, shot two over on Sunday. So uh, disappointing finish there for the postman, but the W... CU Catamount is, uh, I think he's going to have a good week. Nice. Jackson, I love your, I love your approach here. So Abby Barnrat actually rates horribly in strokes game, ball striking and strokes and approach. So he's 97th in the field in strokes game, ball striking and 135th in strokes game approach. But he's actually one of the, uh, the more elite guys when it comes to his short game and putting. So after over his last 50 rounds, He's 17th in this field in strokes gained short game and second in the field in strokes gained putting. So, um, you know, maybe if he can find his kind of, you know, T to green game and, you know, kind of improve his ball striking this week, he definitely has a short game in putting to, to contend. So uh, I like that as kind of a, a sneaky must-have, if you will. All right. Well, that will wrap things up for the week. Thanks, Matt, and thanks, John, for joining me. Of course, you can find out more at leaderintheclubhouse.com and remember to follow us at clubhousecast on twitter and instagram but until next week golf happy